Yesterday we learned Ayus Gimel and Dalit. <coughs> we learned the difference between Nigla and Pneumius. Nigla deals with Elam Hazah, deals with Gashmias, deals with things that are usher, deals with claims that are not true, and yet still ultimately is Torah and so elevates that reality. And it's still in an eifin, in a way of menucha, calm, because you sit where you sit, and that level of reality is elevated. <coughs> Whereas Pnimi Sitara, the Rebbe only says in one, one line at the end of Gimel, Pnimi Sitara, it's a chayim. All you're dealing with is positive, godly reality. In Dalid, the Rebbe explains that that also, that also helps us understand the difference between the oifen alimud in, in Nigla and, and, and Chassidus. Nigla, again, it's Torah and therefore it's not a milchoma, but the oifen alimud is much more warlike. Rav is trying to completely and totally destroy the position of Abaya by asking a question on it. And so there's a back and forth. So Shakla Vitarya. Uh, that someone can refer to someone else's position as absurd and ridiculous. When that happens in Nigla, Chsidis, there's no machlekes, it's just explanation. Right? There might be a question, but it's not that there's a question that is trying to destroy a particular position. There's a question that's trying to help us understand more deeply uh, an idea. Right? The Oifen is much calmer. Well, people who've never learned Talmud Bavli can't imagine what goes on on those pages. And, and when you learn the Rishonim, sometimes the Rishonim are very harsh when they speak to each other. The Achronim, less so, but the Rishonim, the Ramban, when he deals with the Ibn Ezra and Chumash, calls him an idiot walking in the darkness at one point. I haven't got a clue what he's talking about. Well, he says things that you know, are rather confrontational. That's the nature of Nigla. When you see two people learning Hasidus, they're very, very rarely arguing with each other. Now, now and then they'll have an argument, but it's not like an argument in Gemara where they can you know, be screaming and yelling and jumping up and down and getting all excited. It's a different type of limit that, <clears throat> that expresses the content of what they're learning. Okay, Ois Hey. As you see, we're going through this mimer much more quickly than we went through Bazi Lagani. It's that kind of mimer. Hine. Gamba Panimi Satara. Right? We said, in terms of time, we said there were three different periods in Padu B'Shalom. Shlem HaMelech, Mashiach, Tkufa Aleph, and Mashiach, Tkufa Beis. So far, up until now, we've said that there's two different expressions of Torah. Right? Nigla and Panemius. But we expect there to be a third level, because after all, there are three different levels in time, so there should be three different levels in Torah. And that's what the Bible is about to explain. So in Panemius, there are really two different levels. <clears throat> there are two different ways of things happening generally. As Chasidis is clothed in the understanding and comprehension of intellect, which is what we're trying to do right now. We're learning it, we're trying to understand it so that it makes an impression in our conscious reality by virtue of the fact that our intellect understands it. So it's now part of me part of my pro- thinking process, experiential process. The Bechina Zu, this level, this quality, Shiba Pnimi Satara and Pnimi Satara Yeshtam Gamachsha, that also exists now. Right? So that level exists even now, even before Yemesa Mashiach. 
Ooh, and then there's another level. The level of, so to speak, learning Hasidus, where it will be on the level of sight. Meaning our understanding will not be intellectual. Our understanding will be as powerful as sight connects us to something. So too, our intellect will connect us to that idea, but in a way that's beyond what you and I would call intellect. Now I will explain what the difference is between intellect and sight, even though I think it's rather intuitive. Beyond simply com- uh, understanding and comprehending. This level of connection to Elokus, connection to godliness, that will be in future days, that should happen as is known. Mashiach will teach the inner workings of the Torah, meaning the deepest secrets of reality, to all of the Jewish people in an oifen of re'iyah. It will be as if we see that level of reality that we're being taught, as opposed to simply understand it intellectually. Vahefresh, and what's the difference? Shebein hasoga l're'iyah. Who, the difference is, the basoga, when we're talking about intellectual comprehension, gam keshibis amsus, even when it's in a very powerful state of hit amtut, what's the root of that word? Emes, right? Meaning verification, Right? Verifying something, making sure that we understand that the thing is true. Hit amtut. Okay, that even though it's in a state of very serious verification, meaning I, I, I truly believe this idea, I understand it, I believe it, still, Efshar, it's possible, shall you kushia, by virtue of a very powerful question, there could be a change, complete change, could realize that this idea is not necessarily true. Or at least a weakening of his connection to that idea, because that's the nature of intellect. Right? Now, when it comes to the intellect of Torah, so since Torah doesn't change, so then obviously there's certain axiomatic <coughs> ideas that 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 are unchangeable. Okay, but even those ideas, a person theoretically could be challenged by a question and find the question difficult and not exactly know how to answer the question. Now, there doesn't necessarily have to be an answer to the question. We've talked about that before. You can't prove God in a laboratory. Right, so there might be questions asked, asked, acts, acts. Can I ask you a question? I feel like I'm renting a car. Can I just ask you, ask you a few questions, sir? Yes, no problem. So, uh, <laughs> renting a car in America is always an incredible cultural experience. So the 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 the. the uh, <clears throat> If I ask a question, it's a very, very powerful question. So that that doesn't mean that the question necessarily is truly dismissing. What, what do you need over there? You need some of that? Take some of it. Thanks. What do you need? Let that much tissues? What, for your nose? Oh, come on, man. Your nose is as Jewish as mine. You can't do it. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. That's for that's for coffee on your mustache. This is for your nose. Oh, thank you very much. There you go. Don't say I ever didn't. Don't say I never did anything for you. There you go. Okay. So so the the <clears throat> maybe a cute little goyish nose. You know, like that piece would work. You know, they have these little tiny noses. Goyim. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> Jewish nose, an Italian nose. You think an Italian nose could go with that? Italian nose needs about four rolls of toilet paper. Italian Jewish nose. Italian Jewish nose, it's over. Forget it. Forget it. 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 Brink struck. 
And okay, so I don't know about Bangladesh. I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure. But we don't want to leave the people in Bangladesh out. So, <clears throat> so no matter how, the, the, a powerful question can definitely weaken my intellectual connection to an idea. Now, it doesn't mean the question necessarily is really truly. Uh, uh, contrary to that, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's truly weakening it objectively. But my subjective intellectual connection to that idea might be weakened by that question because that's the way that's the way intellect works, right? Right. Famous question. You all know the question. I just love the question when that philosopher asked the Tzemach Sedek about a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that he could prove that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is not omnipotent, not all powerful. What was his question? Who remembers the question? Why did God create more gods? Yeah, or he couldn't. Yeah. Right? God could not create another god. Right? Because there can't be another god. There's only one. So then God's not all powerful. So he can't because he can't create another god. Okay, that's a pretty good question. Right? So someone who hasn't heard the Semachetic's answer, that might affect his understanding of God's omnipotence. Not that he's going to say God isn't omnipotent. He believes that, he understands that. But he might not understand the idea as clearly as he thought he understood it before, right? Because of this philosopher with his amazing question, which philosophers always love to have. Right? Okay. So what did Samach Sedek answer? No, Gabi, you know the answer. Said he created the Jew. Right? He did. The philosopher said he can't create another God. Samach Sedek said he did. It's called the Jew. What's a Jew? It's a It's a little piece of God walking around in a body. That's what an neshama is. That's what a Jew is. Right? It's a little piece of God. So, so to speak, he created another God. And he didn't. The Tzemach Zedek didn't say it as a cute little joke. He, I, I, I don't know. I've never met the Tzemach Zedek. But if you look at his picture, he doesn't look like the kind of guy who's busy telling jokes all day. He just doesn't have that look. Right? I mean, maybe, maybe it's just the life of the party. But I, I don't. You don't get that look from the Tzemach Zedek. You know, I mean, he was too busy learning all of Nigla and all of Chassidus, and he was just too busy. It's in Yemim the Tzemach Zedek making a certain hachlata regarding learning Torah, and he learned Torah standing up every night for and, you know, the, the, the exact amount of material that he learned there is written in the Yemim. I don't remember the specifics. Just all of Talmud Bavli, all of Medrash. So, so there will be a state of understanding reality in the Yemesa Mashiach that will be different than our understanding of reality now. Our, we talked about it yesterday. Our understanding of Gashmias is by Ifen We see Gashmias. So we, we don't, the, the existence of this table is not an intellectual idea to me. Right? I see the table. It's not, I don't have to think intellectually about the existence of the table. I experience the existence of the table in the most powerful way. It's called seeing it. Right. And there isn't anything that we experience more, in terms of heat um, tooth verification, more powerful than seeing something. Even that, interestingly enough, can be somehow challenged, but certainly not be a Mesa Mashiach. The Re'iyah that we have is challenged only by our own insecurities. Famous experiment, amazing experiment in Harvard School of Psychology in the 50s. Right? When 
I mean, it wasn't the early days of psychology in Central Europe, but it was the early days of psychology in the world at large. So, so what was the experiment? Just a fascinating experiment of, of the effect of um, peer pressure. There were 10 people in a room, but only one of them was really part of the experiment. The other nine were plants. The other nine knew what to say. But the, the, the guy who was the, the experiment was about, and they did this to hundreds of people. The, the per, there was one person who it was really about. They put one of the parts of the experiment, they put lines on a board. It was absolutely clear which that there was one line longer than all the other lines. Absolutely clear. Right? The other nine people would always choose the second longest line as the longest line on the table, on the, on the, on the board. They would never say the longer line. All nine of them said the second longest line. Seventy percent of that tenth person also said that line was the longest line, even though their eyes could see that the other line was longer. Meaning, even seeing, if I have my own securities in terms of peer pressure, I might not believe what I'm seeing. Right? Because nine people said that the second longest line was the longest, so 70% of the people said, there must be something wrong with me. I mean, I, I, they all knew which one it was. You couldn't, couldn't make a mistake. So they voted number two, which is interesting. But I don't imagine if you talk to those people one-on-one <coughs> that they wouldn't have clearly said which one they saw was the longest because that sight is ex- extremely powerful. Right? So when you see something, you know it. And that will be the level of Torah, that will be the level of Panemius of Torah, specifically Bimeh something. <coughs> Even when they ask him questions, <coughs> the, the most powerful questions. <coughs> there won't be any. If he saw a certain person in a certain place at a certain time, and then five people say, How could you possibly say that? I, I look here, it says here that he was on a plane, it says here he was on a train. It's a, look, I don't know what it says here, but I saw him, he was there. That's what he saw. Vatam lezehu. The reason is When a person comprehends something in his seichel, ezadavar, a particular idea, It's something that exists in addition to his essential existence. I mean, this idea is so to speak piled on top of me. There's me. And then there's this idea that I understand. Now it becomes part of my conscious reality. There's no question. But it's more information piled on top of other information that is, that, that's not necessarily a function of my essential being. Because after all, were, were I to lose that piece of information, forget it, so that doesn't mean I exist less. <laughs> okay, I, I understood it, now I forgot it. I forgot the story, okay. It's a great story, amazing story. It affected my life very powerfully. I forgot the story. So now what? I exist less? I don't exist less. Right. 
Now, that's also the same relative to something I see, but what? There's a difference in terms of its effect on my conscious reality. When someone sees something, a right? that thing is engraved in his inner being. To such an extent that it becomes part of his essential being, meaning he could theoretically forget the event. That's true, right? But were that were he to see that image again, it would have an incredibly powerful exp- uh, uh, impression on him because it's it's so much part of his being. The fact that he saw something happen, he saw or he saw he were he to see a person or see an idea, so that idea becomes very powerfully connected to who I am. Right? I could f- theoretically forget about it consciously, right? But it's there. It's engraved in my in my in my conscious reality. An idea. You can really forget an idea. I mean, not only you forget that you learned that thing, even though you remember you learned it, you don't remember what you learned. You can't explain it to yourself. Even if you were reading it again, you might not be able to explain it to yourself. Right? So if you see a person, you don't remember what he looks like. Someone shows you a picture of that person again. Immediately you remember. What do you mean? Right? Remember exactly what he looks like. It's right in front of you. You see the picture, and the picture can't because that 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 picture made a much or seeing him in person made a very very powerful impression on you. You could learn something intellectually, forget about it, learn the same thing, and not understand it the second time, even though you understood it the first time. Why? Because the teacher explained it to you, and you got it, and you looked at it, and you did it, and then what? Now you go back to you can't remember what. Why? Because it hasn't become mamish an essential part of you such that were you to look at it immediately it would, it would, it would pop back into your conscious reality. It's a piece of information that, so to speak, is added on to all sorts of other intellectual information that you have. And you might forget about it. And not even be able to recall it when you see it. So you look at the same thing again. They say that's why review is so important, and review has to be done within three days. Right? Pro- the best review is done within three days, because after three days, they say it's possible you could completely forget the idea, and the review will be as if you're learning it the first time. Right? That's why review, you're supposed to you review Gemara, you learn every single night. Review Amarmi, you learn every single night. Why? The review makes it much more powerfully part of you. Might you forget it? You can still forget it because it's still in, it's still uh, it's still a comprehension and not seeing it, but it's much more powerful comprehension. That's where review works. Right? But they say three days, whoever they are. Right? The they that's
I have a newspaper, so I, I don't know, it was on the ground next to uh, the house of one of my neighbors. So I must say I had such a pleasure stepping on it. <laughs> it's a horrible newspaper. It really is. There's two newspapers from the Litvisha community here in Echisel. One's called Yated Neaman, which used to be extremely, virulently anti-Rebbe, but they did tshuva, and they don't do that anymore. But there's some other people who are very upset that some people actually did tshuva, and that they're not, you know, they don't hate everybody other than themselves, and so they opened the newspaper. Right? So that newspaper was on the ground. So I got to step on it. I felt really good. Going into my house, coming from the mikvah, and then going back out of my house on the way to the bus, I stepped on it twice. It was just sitting there. Had a good time. That was my expression of <clears throat> love and joy for the people who write the newspaper. Right? But even then, they're not real misnagdim. They're going to kill anybody. Right? It's just politics. Right? They have to give themselves some reason to exist, and so they figure, okay, rather than say something positive, I'll say something negative. That's easier. Right? <clears throat> There's always people like that, but it, you know, Baruch Hashem is not—it's uh, not life-threatening. <coughs> it might be to them, but not to anybody else. That even though the Inyan Hayagam was also in the days of Shlema Melech, even though we said that that was incomplete, Mikol Mokim the complete expression of Pada B'Sholem, Yebimaisa Mashiach. The complete expression of a victory over negative forces in the world, meaning internal Yetzirah and external forces of Klippa, when will that happen? Mashiach. Ubi Amesa Mashiach Gufa, and in the days of Mashiach itself, but Kufa base, in the second period. So all of that's review. One could say, these three levels of Sholem, which correspond to the three different types of Torah. In the first uh, period of Yemes Mashiach, in the second period of Yemes Mashiach, they are similar to Gimel Adargas and Al the three different levels in Torah. Because Torah brings about a state of Padia B'Shalom three, in three different ways. So those three different ways are expressed in time. That which Malka Shva, the Queen of Shva, Shama Hashem Shlema. She heard about this. Is a, a, a pasuk. She heard about the, you know, the Shema, the that which you would hear about the publicity, the the reality of Shlema Melech, and she was in Africa. <coughs> what was? How did that happen? Who? That is Al Yadesh Shmei, the name, the the fame. The shame huara that a name is an illumination. The light of Shlema Melech Nimshach was drawn when and spread lemerchokim to distant places. Merchokim from the word rachok adla aret shiva until it reached this place called Shiva, right? Which in English they call Sheba, right? The Queen of Sheba. Shlema Atzme Shlema himself Shlema Melech Hayabim Kamer. He was in. He didn't move. He didn't have to. In order to elevate Shiva, Shlomo Melech didn't have to move. It was all b'menucha. He didn't have to go to war against a place in Africa to elevate it to bring it to a place where it appreciates elokus. It's not what happened. Shlomo Melech sat in Yerushalayim and did whatever Shlomo Melech was doing in Yerushalayim, and the kedusha of Shlomo Melech spread such that it brought about an elevation of places far away. What's that like? Terror. 
That's what we said Torah does. Tefillah, tefillah, I have to go down in my Nefesh Elokis, has to go down into my Nefesh Abamis, encounter my Nefesh Abamis, work completely and totally through my Nefesh Abamis with no props, and get my Nefesh Abamis the Dav. That's a Milcham. Torah? I can sit in a Zal in Yerushalayim and elevate reality that's happening who knows where. You know, conceptually, you can meet anywhere. <clears throat> be elevating the south side of Chicago while well, sitting and learning in Yerushalayim, which, which is true. And it's taka biru, right? Not to get into the whole discussion, right, wrong, how to figure it out. You have to figure out something, right? But it is true that people sitting and learning help protect the Jews in Eretz Yisrael just like people going out to Milchama to protect the Jews. There's two different ways in which you protect things. You bring about a biru of things. One is you learn Torah. Right? That works. That doesn't mean you don't daven. Right? Doesn't mean you don't go out to battle also. You need that too. But it's not that the other that one works and the other doesn't. They both work. They're both important. As a matter of fact, you know, it could very well be that that uh, that without without the panemius of the Torah, then the external milchama wouldn't necessarily work. Right? Okay. Say them. And that's the basic understanding of the fact that there should be people who don't have to go do one because they're busy doing another. Right? There's politics involved in it because politics gets everywhere because people are people and there's a Yitzhahara and politics is the most powerful expression of the Yitzhahara other than depression. Right? Okay. Fine. True. But there's no doubt that the idea of people learning Torah is important. The Rebbe does not want people to leave Lubavitch Yeshivas and go join the army. The Rebbe said very, very clearly that Bakrim shouldn't do that. Right? Oh, the Rebbe is a Satmer Chassid. No, 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 Satmer Chassid. Jews should be sitting and learning Torah. Who can learn Torah? That's very important. And you're reading here, there's a beer brought about in the world by virtue of learning Torah. And it doesn't mean you're on the front line. You're on the front line by not being on the front line. Okay. That's also very, very important. Right? how you bring about some sort of sociological peace in this country between people who think this way and people, okay, so that has to be worked out. There's no question. We have, we have to figure out a way to work that out. Right? Okay. But that doesn't mean that, you know, everything you read and hear in the newspapers is true. It's coming from a place of Sheker. Right? It's not coming from a place of Torah. It's coming from a place of the opposite of Torah. Right? Okay. So... There need to be people sitting and learning Torah. Absolutely, there's no question. Is that a cop-out for some people? Absolutely, without question. Are they sitting and learning Torah? Absolutely not. <laughs> some of them, no question. Okay, that's all, that's different, that's politics. Well, I'm talking about the idea itself. Yes, of course, there have to be people sitting and learning Torah. There are, come, there are times when that, unfortunately, that can't happen. That's called a Melchemist Mitzvah where you can't afford to have people sitting and learning Torah, and so you take those people and you put them on the front line, and that's what happened in 1948. Everybody went. Everybody. Right? Everybody, there was no choice. Everybody, everybody, everybody went. There was no, one, no one could stay behind. Okay. But now that's not the case. <clears throat> Where was he? Shlomo said in Yerushalayim, 
his fame, his name, fame. Shema Shlem, that which people hear about him, Nimshach V'igil Shiva, was drawn and made it to Shiva. V'kol Masham Shocha, but the Rebbe explains something interesting. Kol Masham Shocha Nimshacha L'mokim Rochag Yasser, to the extent that this drawing down of Shlema HaMelech's Kedusha was drawn to a place farther and farther away. So then what happens? Umiskatenus Yasser becomes smaller. I mean, obviously, a person's understanding of the greatness of Shlema Melech will be less in Shva than it is in Yerushalayim. Someone very close to Shlema Melech can see all sorts of things, hear all sorts of things, experience all sorts of things. Okay, no question. What are they going to hear a few thousand kilometers away, which is, you know, basically eight worlds away in, 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 in our terms? So when they hear about Shlema Melech over there, so what are they hearing? Not what someone would experience in Yerushalayim, obviously. Therefore, what does <coughs> Malcha Shiva decide to do? See Come to Yerushalayim, right? She has to, she has to move. She has to do something. She has to do something very serious right? in order to connect more powerfully to the source of that ore. Val derech in this way, Gamba Nagila Bira Gufa. Also, the rectification of that state of reality. Even after Malcha Shva, Shama, she heard Hashem Shlemi, she heard about the greatness of Shlema Melech. There had to be the next Pasuk, I mean, the next part of the Pasuk, same Pasuk. The Sava Yushalma, she came to Yushalayim. Obviously, her state of Bittal to Shlema Melech was much greater when she came to Yerushalayim than when she was in Shva. Her state of Bittal to Shlema Melech was great enough in Shva that she decided that she should leave where she is and go to where he is. Okay, so that's a certain state of Bittal, but the Bittal was much greater when she was right next to Shlema Melech and experienced the, all of the, the glory and grandeur of Shlema Melech. Sha'alicho mi Shva Yerushalayim, that the... The going from Shvali Rishlaim, Lekech Meshach Zman, takes time, Betircha, and energy, effort. Vurak Az, and only then, Nasa Birur. Then the Birur was, was brought about. And what's that similar to? Betugma Sabirur Shayyidei Galya de Torah. Similar to the Birur that happens to Galya de Torah, revealed Torah. Yes, I sit in the Zal in Yerushalayim and I sit and I learn about reality and I elevate that reality, but the understanding of that Torah, that that which is necessary to bring about that beer is still relative to Panimius Torah, Milchama. Right? And Milchama, first of all, because I have to understand it, and that the Oifen Alimud, the Rebbe just taught us, the way we learn Nigla is in an Oifen of Milchama. It's a battle, trying to understand it both a battle with my, within my own intellect, but also a, a, what's happening on the page is a battle. Right? My relation, to the, the, the reality that I'm relating to is, is, a, is a function of an intellectual battle between, between Rav and Abaya, or whoever it happens to be. This, this might be Rabbi Yehuda and, 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 Rabbi, Rabbi, and, and, and uh, Rabbi Yishmael in the, in the Mishnah, whoever it happens to be. Right? That there's a, there's a, there's a machlekes, there's disagreement. Okay. Ah, it's bringing about an incredible beer, but that beer happens with a certain amount of energy and a certain amount of effort and a certain amount of, 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 of uh, work required. That's similar to the beer of Malcha Shiva coming to Shlema Melech. So the Bible connects those two, Shlema Melech's greatness to Nigla. 
Yes, it brought about a biru, but that biru also required a certain amount of work. That's not the case of the Biru Bimei Shemeshiach. Since then, the revelation of the unlimited light of God, the level of light before Tzimtzum, the most powerful expression of light imaginable, of godly revelation. Light is simply godly revelation. Simply. Light is godly, it's, it's a mushal for godly revelation and godly energy. The or, zeh, hu b'chol makam b'shava, that this light is everywhere equally. It's not a light that in any shape or form is differentiated. What is it that brings about differentiation of light? Keli, yeah. well said. Pasi Lagani, first chapter. It's a light completely beyond being clothed in Kalim and revealed through Kalim through specific reality. Infinite light. Lochain. Yeah, in that time, he has a beater, the rectification. Not so much through the downward emanation of the light below, and then the elevation of that which is being rectified, above, which is Shlema Melech's light making it all the way to Shiva, and then ultimately Shiva being elevated or elevating herself, to come to get closer to Shlema Melech. It's not such a process, because in that process, there's differentiated levels of revelation. There's the revelation of Shlema Melech in Yerushalayim, and there's the revelation of Shlema Melech in Shiva. And Shiva is much less, Ad Kach, than Malchus Shiva, in order to be truly connected, has to elevate herself and go to Yerushalayim. That's now. That's how godliness works now. Be Mesa Mashiach? be a revelation of godliness everywhere, equally. It's just existential reality. Even though the Rebbe is going to explain the difference between the first Kufa of Yemes Mashiach and the second Kufa, that's what happens next. But but at this point, there's the Yemes Mashiach relative to now, Yemes Mashiach, there'll be a revelation of Elokus. You'll see Elokus everywhere you are. You'll experience Elokus everywhere you are. Equally. What we'll see later in the Mimer is called Midas Ishtavus. Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Tomid. So the simple understanding of that verse is I will put God in front of me always. But the, the simple shot in the word Shavisi, what's the word Shavisi? What does it mean? What's the root of the word? Shaveh. What does Shaveh mean? Equal. The Bashemtav said that Pasuk means Shavisi, God is equal in front of me always. See Elokus in every reality equally. Very few people in history reach that level of appreciation of Elokus. The one that did since this is a mimer of the Mittler Rebbe, and we're going to quote the Mittler Rebbe, talking about Midas Eishtavos a little later, but so we can talk about it now before you forget last week's Parsha. Well, actually, it's two weeks ago, so you might have forgot it already, but okay. Can we do? When Avram is told about the birth of Yitzchak, what does he do? He laughs. When Sarah is told later in the Torah that she's going to have a son, what does she do? Okay. When Avram laughs, what does the Kaddish Baruch Hu do? Right. Nothing. Good answer. You're right. It just says, Avram laughed. And therefore, they called the child Yitzchak. Laughter. <coughs> okay. Sarah laughs. What happens? Because says, why are you laughing? What does she say? I'm not laughing. You are. You're not. You are. I'm not. It's like five-year-olds. Right? Laughed Sarah and the Kaddish Baruch having this completely bizarre conversation about whether or not she's laughing or not. And it's in the Torah. Right? 
God said, you laughed. She said, I didn't laugh. You did laugh. And that's the end. God gets the last word. He always gets the last word. He wrote the book. All right. Okay. Fine. <coughs> what in the world is going on? So the Mittler Rebbe has an amazing explanation of that conversation. And it didn't happen by Avram. Why not? Because Sari Menu was on a higher level than Avram Avinu, and Sari Menu had reached the level of what's called Midasi Shtavus. Shavisi Shemel Negdisom. That the Mittler Rebbe, he discussed this in, his, in what's called Kuntrasis Pailus, the tractate on ecstasy. That there's a level on his Pailus, beyond ecstasy. What does that mean? That means a person is aware of Elokus so powerfully that they see Elokus equally in every event, so they don't reach a state of ecstasy because they're, they're constantly in a state of connection. What's ecstasy? What's a, a state of unbelievably powerful simcha? Simcha is a function of revelation. If God is revealed to you, 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 you come to a higher state of simcha. That's why the most simchadic people most of us have ever met are the most chassidisha people we've ever met because they're people who are sensitive to Elokus and everything, so they're in a state of simcha. Right? Okay. <coughs> but Sari Menu obviously was beyond that. Sari Menu was in a level beyond ecstasy, meaning she saw Elokus equally in every single event, what's called midasi shtavus, shavisi shem that statement, that reality of equality. So she would never reach a state of ecstasy because she was beyond ecstasy. She was always in a state beyond that. Because ecstasy is relative to the state I was in before. So when she laughs, the Kaddish Baruch says, you laughed, meaning you seem to experience more of me in this good news than in not having a child for 90 years. So she says, I didn't laugh. When she said that, what did she mean? I didn't doubt. I'm not doubting that this is going to happen, which is how she understood the question. You're laughing, meaning you're doubting that this is going to happen? She said, I didn't doubt. She said, but you laughed. You Sari Menu, who've reached a state that sees God equally in every, you've just descended to a lower level of connection to me by virtue of the fact that you think there's more me in this good news than there was in not having a child for 90 years. You think there's more me in this than there has been in your life up until this point? You, Avram? I didn't say anything. By you, I'm surprised, so to speak, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him chastises her for going to a lower level by virtue of experiencing ecstasy, by virtue of the good news, you, you're beyond that. Avram isn't. Avram isn't chastised. Okay, of course, he's going to experience a certain state of ecstasy by virtue of this incredible revelation of God that he just experienced. Fine. You, you see me equally everywhere. So how can you possibly react to this the way you did? that you think, so to speak, this is better. There's more of me here. Well, that's how the Mithlerabi explains Sarah's reaction. So she's chastised because she descended. The good news caused her to descend the level in her connection to the Ebishtah. Not that you, not that the, yeah, it doesn't mean the Ebishtah took away the good news, Baruch Hashem, there's a Yitzhak and there's an Am Yisrael and everything happened, but so to speak, the Ebishtah was surprised. And that's called Midas Yishtavus. Right? So the, that, the Rebbe says there will be a certain level of equality of godliness everywhere, be a Mesa Mashiach, so I don't have to move to find God. He's everywhere. Now, he is everywhere, essentially. There's no less God in Yerushalayim, or in Peoria, Illinois, than there is in Yerushalayim. 
And yet you and I call Yerushalayim a place of Gilu in, and Peoria, Illinois, a place of greater concealment. There's no more or less God in Eilam Bria than there is in Eilam Yitzira, even though you and I call Eilam Bria a place of greater revelation and Eilam Yitzira a place of lesser revelation relative to Bria, but of course more revelation relative to Eilam this world. So what does it mean that God is revealed? It doesn't mean there's more God there. It's, everywhere. it's all Him. Everything's Him. It's all Him. So there's no more or less <clears throat> there is no place devoid of him. So what does revelation mean? Revelation means it's easier to be sensitive to his presence in certain places and harder to be sensitive to his presence in other places. Elam Haza is absolutely full of elokus. That's all it is. Okay, but what's the problem in Elam It's very hard to be sensitive to that and you and I call that a state of Helen, a state of concealment. What is concealment in Elam Hazeh? It's the Abish to concealing himself. It's not that there's something concealing God. Because they know Mavadeh, there's nothing other than him. Right? What's nature? It says nature conceals God. What does that mean? Nature is the Abish to concealing himself. There's no absolute existence to nature. God created a reality, it's all just him, that seems to conceal him. So... It's not that nature is this book and I get to be God in the story. And that's what's happening. But you know that behind the book there's me. No. Nature is this. What's this? You covering you. It's all me. This is any less me than me. This? No. In revealed reality, if you see this, do you know who it is? Not unless you're my mother. Right? Okay. But if you see this, do you know who it is? Of course, of course you know who it is. Right? That's punning, that's panemius, that's, the, like, that's what, the, what the person is. You see everything about them in their face. Are they happy or sad? Look at their face. Right? They've had a hard life or an easy life? Look in their face. You can look in their hands. No. Their hands are all beat up and calloused. I know, he worked hard with his hands. He's one of the happiest people, most content people you'll ever meet in your life. He just happened to work hard with his hands, as opposed to some other guys whose hands look like they've never touched anything other than a fork. Okay, the guy's miserable. Right. How do you know? Just go ask his analyst. He'll tell you how miserable the guy is. Right. This guy, hard-working carpenter his whole life, one just completely content person. Can't tell from his hands. He worked hard, definitely worked hard, that's for sure. Unhappy? Oh, mapito. Right. Used to be, I don't know whether it still is, but used to be lowest rate of suicide amongst any, any profession was carpenters. Highest rate? Dentists. Dentists and psychologists. It's really interesting. Dentists? Actually, you know, I feel bad. I mean, I, it's not like it's funny. It's just sort of interesting. At one point, I had a dentist who was fixing my, my bottom teeth. He straightened them out. You see how straight they are? It really worked. So, so uh, my father decided he didn't want me to have the same teeth he had, which I did. I do. But the guy straightened it out. I don't know what my father paid for this Nebuch, but, you know, it didn't work. But Nebuch, he, he, he was an alcoholic and he killed himself. He was always sort of jolly in the chair. I was too young to really realize what was going on. But he was sort of jolly, you know, when he was taking care of me. And that guy was an alcoholic and he killed himself. Right? Dentists. Psychologists, evidently, they say, well, you hear people's problems all day long. It can't be very, I mean, just, it's, you know. Okay, carpenters. Smell of fresh wood in the, in the shop. I mean, if you walk into a place, the guy's, it's such a nice smell. It's so nice. Evidently, they're very content. Look at his hands. 
all beaten up and cut and bruised and low. Oh boy, it looks like a rough life. Ooh, can't tell. Look at his face right away. Okay. This, shame of Ayah. This, shame Elohim. Teva. God's covering himself. It's all him. So what's revelation? Revelation means it's easier to be sensitive to him in that place. Concealment means it's harder to be sensitive to him. But he's all, it's all him. Everything's him. There's nothing else. Okay. And that is a state of reality that will, be, that will become absolutely apparent be Amazing Mashiach. Elokus everywhere. It's not that we'll have to do any Aveda. We won't have to go anywhere to find Elokus. It's just there. That's what, that's what reality is. Then, as a beater, the rectification of reality will will not be that the light is coming down from above below. And that which is below is going above. Because the whole notion of below and above, what's that all relative to? Revelation. Below is less revelation. Above is more revelation. So when we talk about elevating something, we take it to a place where godliness is more obvious, is more revealed to that person, to that reality. He makes Mashiach, it's all above and below. It's all the same. It's all in. Ain't no vada. Sha'or, kameshu yar makam. The light as it is will, will illuminate in all places. In every place. Shalokin then as... At that point, that's why the Pasuk says, Pasuk in Tzifania, that's quoted by the Rambam and quoted in Chassidus constantly, Efechelamim, I will transform the people, all the nations, as they are in their existence, in their place. They're not going to have to come to Yerushalayim. They will, they'll come to Yerushalayim because they'll come to Yerushalayim because they want to bring Karbonus when they can, and Sukkot, etc., etc., Pseidah. But then you don't have to leave Shva to get close to Elokus, because the Elokus of Shva will be just as revealed as the Elokus anywhere else. So where they are in their existent state and in their place, Kulam, all of them, will be transformed, all the nations will be transformed, to worship God as one. Because Elokus will be revealed everywhere. And that's Yemes Mashiach. And that's Panini Yisotem. Because Panimi Zatara is where you experience that. If you learn Gemara, what, do you, what, what does Gemara talk about? This is holy and this is not. <coughs> this is mutter and this is also. This is obligatory and this is absolutely forbidden. That's the reality of Nigla, which is real. In Elamazah, that's real. And that's the imprint of a Kaddish Baruch's will on the world. Okay. And don't chas v'sholem v'chas v'sholem ever come to the point where you say, oh, well, God's in everything so I can do an Avera l'shema. God forbid. Don't do that. Shabbat Tzvi did that. He destroyed the Jewish world. Right? Okay. But they don't believe in that. Oh, I can do anything. Right? God loves me anyway. Of course God loves you anyway. Do you love God? God loves you. Yes, I agree. So he loves me even if I don't keep his Torah. That's true. Okay. But you're such a selfish animal that you don't care about showing that love back. So how do you show that love God back? By doing what he likes. Not what you like. My wife loves me anyway. So I can do all sorts of things that she doesn't like. What does she care? She cares. How do you know? She doesn't like it. She told you. I don't like you. I don't like when you do that. I would rather you do A and not B. Does she love you when you do B? Yes. She probably shouldn't, but okay, she does. 
right? Fine. Forget about husband. She probably doesn't love her husband when he does B because that's a different type of relationship. Her child. When her child does B, she loves him anyway. Okay. But if the child is not completely and totally self-centered, what might the child think about? Maybe I should reciprocate the love. What does that mean? That means I won't do B and I'll do A because my mother doesn't like B. She likes A. So why would I do something that makes her unhappy? <coughs> she loves me anyway. What difference does it make? Well, that's only in terms of one, that's only one way of the relationship. There's another way. There's another direction. You to her. In terms of you to her, do A because that's what she likes. Okay. That's reasonable. I think. Unless I'm completely and totally self-centered and all I think about is me and my mom loves me anyway, so what difference does it make? Of course it makes a difference. God loves me anyway. Of course he loves you. You're a Yid. He loves you. He created you. He loves all his creations. Loves Yidin even more. Okay, say to her, why? I don't know. Don't, don't ask too many questions. He might change his mind, right? But, but, but he, he loves us, right? Okay, say to her, you, you keep Shabbos, you don't keep Shabbos. He loves you, he still loves you. How much do you love him? <clears throat> that's your avaita. That's not his Indian. That's your Indian. Okay, so show it back. People can do this. Hasidim can do the same with the Rebbe. The Rebbe loves every Jew. Yes, of course the Rebbe loves every Jew. There's a, there's a Yid in Elam that Somehow, it's, unbelie- it's so so full of Avis Yisrael, it's beyond belief. Okay, Besaida, yes. Cares about every Jew. But as a Hasid of that person, what are you trying to do? You're trying to reciprocate that love, right? What does that mean? I do what, that, what, the, what the Rebbe thinks is the right thing to do for, for the world and for me and for God and for, for reality. Okay. Does the Rebbe not like me if I if I do something against his will? No, that that's not the issue. Yes, he cares for all of us. Why? Because he's the most godlike of any person. There's always one person who's who's you know what did was the Chumash say about Moshe Rabbeinu Ish Elokim? What did Chazal say? From his waist up, Elokim. From his waist down, Ish. He's a godly person. Doesn't mean he's God. He's not God. But he's an Ish Elokim. Right? Okay, fine. There's all sorts of characteristics that are extremely godly in a revealed way. He's not God, he's a person. But incredibly powerful, godly characteristics. Okay. So one of those is this incredible love of the Jewish people, just beyond belief. It's not normal. Okay. That could be reciprocated. <coughs> So you may see Mashiach, we'll see God everywhere. Right? And then we're not going further, don't worry. We're reading one line the next just to know where we're going tomorrow. And this itself, this level of revelation, there's a difference. The next thing the Rebbe is going to explain is what's the difference between the revelation of Elokus in the first Kufr of Mashiach, where we just said that godliness will be revealed everywhere. So you don't have to come to Yerushalayim to find Elokus. Right? You don't have to go to a base Medrash to find Elokus. It's everywhere, in a revealed way. So all of the nations of the world will experience it and 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 know God. Okay. So what's the difference between that state and what will happen in the second state of Yemei Mashiach, Elim Tchia, where there'll be a, a, again revelation? But there seems to already be revelation. So what's the difference between those two states? We'll see that tomorrow. Okay. If anybody doesn't have a copy, there's more here. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-